0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Bumble, Inc. Fourth Quarter 2022 Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all lines are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on Wednesday, February 22, 2023. I would now like to turn the conference over to Cheryl Valenzuela, VP of Investor Relations. Please go ahead.
1: Thank you for joining us to discuss Bumble's fourth quarter and full year 2022 financial results. With me today are Whitney Wolf Hurd, founder and CEO, Tariq Shocket, president, and Anu Subramanian CFO of Bumble. Before we begin, I'd like to remind everyone that certain statements made on this call today are forward looking statements. These forward looking statements are subject to various risks and uncertainties our current expectations based on our beliefs, assumptions, and information currently available to us. Although we believe these expectations are reasonable, we undertake no obligation to revise any statements to reflect changes that occur after this call. Descriptions of factors and risks that could cause actual results to differ materially from these forward-looking statements are discussed in more detail in our earnings press release and filings with the SEC, including our annual report on Form 10-K, for the year ended December 31, 2021, and our subsequent periodic filings. During the call, we also refer to certain non GAAP financial measures. These non GAAP measures should be considered in addition to, and not as a substitute for, or in isolation from, GAAP results. Reconciliations to the most comparable GAAP measures are available in today's earnings press release, which is available on the Investor Relations section of our website at ir.bumble.com. And with that, I'll turn it over to Vicki. Thank
2: you, Cheryl, and thank you all for joining us today. Q4 was a strong finish to the year with total revenue of $242 million and adjusted EBITDA of $60 million, both exceeding our outlook. In 2022, we continued to execute against our strategic priorities, advance our mission, and delivered strong revenue growth and profitability for our shareholders. Bumble Inc.'s revenue for the full year reached 904 million, up 19% year-over-year, with Bumble app revenue growing 31%, driven by a year-over-year increase of over 500,000 paying users. We also drove strong profitability, delivering full-year adjusted EBITDA margin of 25% and free cash flow of 117 million. These results are a testament the hard work and execution of our teams around the globe to continue to execute incredibly well amidst in geopolitical and macroeconomic uncertainty. These results also demonstrate the enduring power of our mission to create a world in which all relationships are healthy and equitable to find connections. Now let me touch briefly on each of our brands. Bumble App had a strong fourth quarter with revenue of 191 million, 28% year over year. This strength was broad based with strong revenue growth in both our established markets as well as in growing markets such as Germany, Spain, France, and India. Bumble added over 130,000 paying users in the quarter. Based on third party data sources in Q4, we continued to grow download share in key markets like the US and Canada and maintained our position as the number two most downloaded dating app in these markets. We are also excited to say that. As of Valentine's Day, Bumble App is the most downloaded dating app in our top markets, including the U.S., Canada, Australia, the U.K., and Germany. Bumble App's net promoter scores in the U.S. during the fourth quarter led other online dating apps, especially in two of our most important audiences, women and Gen Z. Our 2023 plans extend the momentum we've generated over the last several years. These are built on four pillars. One, continuing our rapid global expansion. Two, reinforcing our brand and product strengths, especially with women. Three, growing revenue from new monetization experiences. And four, remaining a leader in safety by design. Let me describe each in turn. First, global expansion has been core to Bumble's growth in recent years, and we believe there's still tremendous runway in both existing and new markets. Open so depth and expanding into secondary cities are critical components for our growth strategy. For example, we've been in Germany for a couple of years now, and it continues to grow rapidly as we've pushed into more cities beyond the original launch markets and is now on track to be our third largest revenue market in 2023. We will also be launching a new countries this year. One advantage we have in most markets around the world is a strong baseline level of demand due to the resonance of our brand and our women's first approach. We'll be building on this foundation with active go-to-market efforts to further our expansion in Western and Central Europe, for example, in Italy, Portugal, and Poland, as well as major Latin American and Southeast Asian countries. Second, Bumble is where it is today because of our brand strength and loyalty especially with women, and this remains our priority. We listen intently to our women customers, and we've been steadily launching new features that are most requested by them, including our Astrology Tuesday offering last year. And this year, we expect to launch a series of enhancements to the D-line, the matching experience, and roll out new women-focused offerings. We are further investing in our college programs to continue our share gain with Gen Z women as we mentioned last quarter we recently launched a dedicated customer experience for users who are verified college students we have seen several hundred thousand college students verified on our platform and we believe the dedicated experience is resonating we are also using this verification program to improve targeting of our college bundles and recently launched virtual gifts to this group our early test suggests that virtual gifts lead to almost 20% higher reciprocation rates, especially with Z, And we are optimistic about the future of this initiative. Machine learning and data science have been strong enablers of bumbles customer experience and growth. We see more and more opportunities to integrate AI further into our user journey, ranging from helping them better optimize their profile and initiate chats, to improving relevance and matching. Over the last two years, we have been working on rebuilding our recommendation engine with machine learning at the core. We've tested this new model in several markets in Western Europe over the last six months and saw a substantial improvement in building behavior and double-digit improvements in match rates. In Q2, we expect to leverage this model to begin testing our new paid Best Bees offering, highlighting highly curated, highly compatible people to you. This brings me to our third pillar, creating new experiences to grow revenue. Over the last year, we've been performing foundational engineering work to build more modularity and agility into our monetization platform. This work was required to enable us to launch our next wave of monetization. Going forward, this enhanced platform will enable the ability to launch a new subscription offerings additional bundles and a greater variety of all the current offerings. It will also enable us to target these offerings in an increasingly precise manner to grow customer lifetime value. We will also use this sophisticated platform to accelerate our highly impactful pricing and promotional optimization initiatives. One feature the new platform has enabled is our message before match feature, which is now fully rolled out monetization in our major markets. We've seen strong initial user response in markets where we've launched, where we have seen compliments be 70% more likely to result in a match than a typical tech mode. We are now starting to roll out the corresponding marketing plans. Compliments is our first major feature in the message report match phase, and we are excited to build upon this with new offerings throughout the rest of the year. In addition to compliments and Best Bees offerings, I'm also excited about the potential for our speed dating experience. In Q4, we transitioned from a branded partnership version of speed dating and launched it as a standalone, unbranded experience in a number of our major markets, including the U.S., Germany, and India. We are actively testing monetization approaches, including making the experience a ticketed events. Lastly, we know that many of our users, particularly those in their 20s, are looking for more ways to express themselves and their personality with a high level of authenticity. In Q2 and Q3, we will be experimenting with a range of new paid experiences leaning into this desire for self-expression. This will include expanding our virtual gift offering as well as creating the ability to have stickers, mood boards, and photo effects to their profiles and tasks, just to name a few examples. Our last pillar is safety by design, and mission by design. Safety is not an afterthought or a marketing campaign for us. We remain fiercely committed to our mission and we are working relentlessly to create kind connections. Our approach at the goal has always been to build safety into our products at the outset and to continue to build new safety capabilities as we see these products in the field. We are also deploying an increasing amount of machine learning into our safety efforts. Our in-house content and photo moderation models continuously monitor our experience to prevent harassment and toxicity, and we are experimenting with GPT-3 and other large language model services to further augment our already strong approach. Now turning to Bumble BFF, we remain the only scale dating app to have a successful handfinding finding offering due to our strong and unique brand. We believe the market opportunity around online friendship is sizable, given the prevalence of loneliness, with the U.S. Surgeon General sharing a 2018 to 2020 survey that revealed 60% of Americans struggle with loneliness. That figure climbs to 75% among younger people. To reflect this significant opportunity, we're increasingly managing Bumble BFS with a separate brand. We continue to be excited by the user traction on BFS with now growth of 26% year-over-year in Q4, alongside strong global appeal. We have a very important set of product and marketing initiatives we expect to launch around mid-year, which we believe will unlock further user growth and look forward to sharing these with in the quarter. In summary, we have a lot of exciting initiatives planned for App in 2023, and we are off to a strong start to the year. Now turning to Vadu. We made solid progress in stabilizing the Do second half of 2022. Despite facing some macroeconomic challenges, the Do continues to have a large user base and was ranked among the top three dating apps for downloads in 48 countries, including Brazil, Italy, Mexico, Spain, and France. The Do and other revenue also grew year over year when adjusted for FX and the impact of the conflict in Ukraine. We've looked at recent product efforts on amplifying what Do's loyal and long-tenured user base appreciates most about the platform, how so it creates quick and easy authentic connections, which has had a positive impact on user engagement and retention. The monetization platform enhancements that I mentioned earlier also apply to Do, illustrating the power of our shared platform model. A lot of our focus in 2023 is on continued optimization of our experience using these platform enhancements for example, we now have a much greater ability on the do to offer promotional bundles and new consumables, and we'll be focusing on these to drive increasing payer penetration. In addition, we have a number of exciting new product features launching, all designed to lean into the chat-based experience on the and drive faster time-to-quality connection. While we still have work to do to fully stabilize the do, we believe that we are on the right path. Lastly, I'd like to share an update on Fruits as we celebrate the one-year anniversary of its acquisition. Over the past year, its revenue contribution has steadily grown, and its integration with our shared platform has proceeded smoothly. In French-speaking markets, where its organic growth has been most concentrated, Fruits enjoys strong download share and Gen Z brand affinity. I have never been more excited about the tremendous opportunity for our brands, our business, and our mission. We have solid user momentum, and our apps have significant runway for growth. We also have a strong product roadmap and a team to advance it. We continue to be true to our mission of providing safe and kind connections by design. And as always, we operate with financial discipline and a focus on execution. Thank you to Team Bumble. Thank you for everyone's hard work. We succeeded only because of your dedication and contribution. I'd like to thank our customers, partners, and investors for the continued trust and support. And with that, I will turn it over to Anil for a discussion of our financial
3: results and outlook. Thank you, Whitney, and good afternoon, everyone. I'll begin with the discussion of our fourth quarter and full year 2022 results before turning to our outlook for Q1 and full year 2023. Understated otherwise, the comparisons I will make to the fourth quarter of 2022 Versus the fourth quarter of 2021, total bumble ink revenue in Q4 was 242 million, above the high end of our guidance and up 17% year over year, driven primarily by growth in bumble apps. FX was a 13 million headwind to top line, 3 million better than we had expected at the time of our guidance. The aggregate FX headwinds and the Ukraine conflict impacted our growth rate. Negatively by eight percentage points. At a group level, revenue growth was driven primarily by growth in paying users, which increased 14% to 3.4 million, while average revenue for paying user increased by 1%. Revenue from Bumble app was 191 million, up 28%. FX was a 7 million year over year headwind, which negatively impacted growth by five percentage points. The headwind from FX was $2 million lower than we anticipated. The bubble app revenue growth was driven by a strong 35% increase in paying users to $2.2 and on a sequential basis, we added 133,000 paying users. The strong growth in paying users was driven by a number of factors, including strong registration and re-engagement rates, successful international expansion, and product improvements that drove payer penetration. Bumble apps are people with $28.64, down 6% year over year and 1% sequentially, primarily due to country mix and FX impacts, partially offset by pricing optimization initiatives. Now moving on to Badoo app and other. Badoo app and other revenue was $61 million in Q4, representing a 12% year over year decline on a reported basis. In aggregate, ethics headwinds in the Ukraine conflict impacted our growth rate negatively by 17 percentage points. do app and other paying users declined 11% year over year to 1.2 million. The impact of our exit from Russia and Belarus was a 12% negative impact to growth. Do app and other RPs declined 6% year over year to $12.48, primarily due to ethics and country mix partially offset by ongoing pricing optimization work. As a reminder, we currently include fruit revenue within Purdue app and other revenue, but exclude fruit paying users from Purdue app and other paying users. Turning now to expenses, we remain very focused on managing our business profitably, taking into consideration the dynamic macro environment. Total gap operating costs and expenses are three hundred and eighty nine million for the quarter. On a non-GAAP basis, excluding stock-based comps and other non-cash and one-time items, the total non-GAAP operating expenses were 182 million, up 19%. Cost of revenue was 67 million and grew 26% year over year. The increase was primarily driven by higher App Store fees, resulting from revenue growth and fixed shift between iOS and Android. As a percentage of revenue, cost of revenue was 28%. Versus 26% in the year ago period. Sales and marketing expenses grew 14% year over year to 65 million. This represents 27% of revenue, versus 28% in the year ago period, as we focused on efficiency in marketing spend during the quarter. G&A expenses were 34 million or 14% of revenue, compared to 28 million or 14% of revenue last year. Product development expenses were 16 million or 7% of revenue, versus 14 million or 7% in the year-ago period. Q4 gap net loss of 159 million compared to a net loss of 14 million in the year-ago period. This included an impairment charge of 141 million related to the brand, as a result of loss of expected revenue resulting from our business decision to seize operations in Russia and Belarus. As well as the larger macro environment. Q4 adjusted EBITDA was $60 up 10% year over year, and represented a 25% adjusted EBITDA margin. For full year 2022, total Bumble Inc. revenue was 19% year over year to $904 million. In aggregate, FX headwinds in the Ukraine conflict impacted our growth rates negatively by like 8%. Revenue from Bumble app grew 31% to 694 million, driven by paying user growth of 34% to 2 million, leading to more than half a million net ads in the
0: future.
3: FX headwinds impacted our growth rate negatively by four percentage points. Adjusted EBITDA was $247 representing 25% margin. Our gap net loss for the full year 2022 was $114 million, compared to the earnings of $282 million in 2021. We continued to generate healthy cash flow free cash flow of $117 million for the year. We end of the year in a strong cash position, the total cash and cash equivalents totaling $403 million, up from $269 million last year. Now moving on to our 2023 financial outlook. As Whitney noted, we expect another period of strong, profitable growth the year ahead. For full year 2023, we estimate total Bumble Inc. revenue to grow between 16% to 19% year over year. We expect Bumble app to have another strong year. Based on the momentum we are seeing so far, our geo-expansion plans, as well as the exciting product roadmap we have, we expect revenue growth rate between 22% and 25%. While we believe that Badoo and other revenue is on a path to recovery, our outlook assumes continued macroeconomic pressure on the Badoo user, along with ongoing pressures on advertising revenue. We estimate adjusted EBITDA margin will be 26%, that representing 100 basis points of year-over-year margin expansion. For Q1, we expect the following. Total revenue between $238 million and $243 million,
1: representing
3: a growth rate of 50% year-over-year, at the midpoint of our range. Our outlook assumes approximately $10 million of year-over-year headwinds related to effects and the conflict in Ukraine, primarily in Bidu. Excluding the impact of this, our total revenue growth outlook has been 19% at the midpoint. We expect Bumble app revenue to be between 190 million and 193 million, representing a growth rate of 24% year over year at the midpoint. Excluding FX headwinds on guidance to bumble revenue growth rate would be 27%. We estimate adjusted EBITDA will be between 53 million and 56 million, representing 23% margin at the midpoint of the range. Q1 margins reflect the typical high level of marketing spend we see at the beginning of the year. We remain hyper-focused and efficient around spending and have put in place several measures internally to ensure that we stay disciplined around our investment priorities. We are very confident in our ability to achieve our fully adjusted EBITDA margin target of 26% and also remain committed to healthy long-term margin expansion. In closing, our focus this year is on strong and disciplined execution against our strategic priorities. We believe we have an exciting opportunity ahead of us, and we are very confident that we can deliver strong revenue growth and profitability for our shareholders. And with that
1: operator, we can open it up to Q&A.
0: Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We will now begin the question and answer session. If you have a question, please press star followed by the one on your touch-tone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be pulled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press the star followed by the two. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment, please, for your first question. Your first question comes from Justin Patterson with KeyBank. Go ahead.
4: Great, thank you very much, and good afternoon. Uh, I wanted to just go a little deeper into the, some of the assumptions on guidance for the year, uh, Whitney. You outlined a lot of product initiatives and geographic expansion. It sounds like it rolls out over the course of the year. Um, New, could you kind of talk about how you? embedded the impacts of that into the forecast and, um, you know, just getting a better sense of what's in the forecast and what can potentially be a surprise over the course of the year. Thank you.
3: Yeah. Hey, Justin. Uh, happy to take that. This is a new um, – so, as I said in my prepared remarks, um, you know, for Bumble App, we um, have given a total revenue guidance range of 22 to 25 percent. Uh, We think uh, this will, from a quarterly cadence perspective, uh, be fairly stable. Um, uh, Every quarter, we're not expecting any big peak quarters. Um, Obviously, you you know, we're starting uh, Q1 off uh, with good momentum, so we feel good about that, and then we feel good about what's assumed for the rest of the year. Similar to 22, we think um, uh, the revenue growth comes from a a healthy growth in paying users. So we are estimating net ads uh, next year will be around the 450, 500 mark. uh, That's what we are projecting. Um, And that would effectively imply that our people is uh, largely flat. The 22 numbers may be slightly lower, again, depending on, uh, you know, um, uh, where some of our product uh, initiatives land. now, as a reminder, and, you we, we know, we've always said this in the past, we uh, are always focused on maximizing revenue um, versus just maximizing payers or our people. So, again, depending on how some of these product initiatives land, um, you know, these numbers can shift a little bit up or down. But, you know, we feel pretty good about uh, the it adds numbers. We feel very confident about the revenue range that we've given you. Uh, in terms of initiatives, a lot of the um, revenue improvement that you see next year largely comes from uh, growth in our user base um, as well as a lot of the optimization work that we are doing from a product perspective as well as from a pricing perspective. Um, Again, this is something that we are very, very good at doing. We've done historically, so we feel very, very good about uh, the assumptions that we've made there. Um, With respect to the product roadmap and new product initiatives that we have, like always, you know, we um, – Model out what we think a lot of these product initiatives will look like through the course of the year. There are some products like complements that Whitney talked about uh, that are, you know, have already landed in the market. Um, we have real data coming from different markets, so we have made um, assumptions based on that. And complements will be a sizable um, contributor to revenue in 2023. But then there are certain other product initiatives, you know, later in the year where you know, we haven't yet landed those, so we've made some modest contribution assumptions. And then there are, you know, certain other product initiatives that we've not even included uh, in, our, um, in our guidance ranges because, again, those are too far down. So, um, you know, that's roughly how uh, the Bumble app guidance um, sort of falls out.
4: That's very helpful. Thank you.
0: Your next question comes from... Shweta Kajuria, please go ahead.
3: Okay, thank you for taking my questions. Could you please talk about the share gains that you um, were implying as of Valentine's Day on your app downloads, the question is, what drove that? Was there a marketing uh, effort that you had in Q1 specifically, and how sustainable do you think are these share gains that you're seeing in, uh, across the different countries? And then the second question. Um, is Anu? Could you talk about uh, your confidence in margin expansion? You, you sound confident in delivering at least 100 of margin expansion. Help us think through your marketing efforts for the year. Thank you.
4: Hey, Thanks, Rector. It's Tarek. I'll I'll start with the share gain question and then um, turn it over to Anu. So we've been, um, as as you noted and as Whitney noted, I'm very pleased to see the the traction that we've had on downloads both in Q4. Where we continue to gain share and then in q1 where we've seen a nice acceleration um to cut to the chase is we have not been spending to achieve that acceleration there's not an outsized marketing spend that um that, that is anything out of the ordinary that has helped us achieve that we think really what's going on is is a couple of different things one is um we are we, we think continuing to build momentum around the value proposition the um Uh, the um, narrative around Bumble app, the success stories, and really fostering the word of mouth. So we think that a lot of the programs, like It Started on Bumble, which we've talked about before, are really starting to to, um, uh, have a cumulative effect. That's number one. Number two is there's a lot of work that our teams are doing around um, kind of harvesting demand that's already out there. So think about the app stores and how you are – Uh, capturing the demand that sits on the App Store, what's called App Store optimization, things like that. There's a parallel in the search engine world as well. We think that we've just continued to get better and better at at that demand capture um, of demand, whether that's Bumble-specific demand or whether that is industry demand, Um, and then that's paying off. And then we were fortunate in, um, particularly in February, late January, to receive a lot of just very nice um, placement and promotions. We announced that partnership with Netflix as an example. That resulted in um, a lot of activity in the Play Store and in the App Store itself, Um, things like that. So it's not spend-based where we're buying the traffic, but I think it's a culmination of a lot of the investments that we have been making. Um, And so, you know, you can spend. We don't, but people can spend to achieve market share gains. Um, I think that it's uh, particularly the download share. So we're happy with where we are today. We are happier just with the underlying trend that we have, and we're going to keep focusing on that as opposed to who's number one and two.
3: Yeah, and up to your question about uh, margins. Um, you know, like I like I said, um, you know, I'm very, very confident in our ability to um, get to uh, the 100 basis points margin expansion. You know, and I said this in our last earnings call as well. Um, you know, as far as marketing spend goes, which, again, is, you know, one of our bigger line items. Um, You know, for 2023, we have a very high bar for how we think about marketing spend. Um, You know, growing market share, uh, as Tariq was just talking about, um, expanding into international markets, all of those are still big priorities for us. So we will definitely be spending money on building our brand. Uh, But, you know, we are taking a very hard look at every area of spend, even in, you know, new markets as well as existing markets, to make sure that, um you know, all of those areas of spend are meeting the high thresholds that we have set for ROI returns, et cetera, et cetera. So you will definitely see that line item um, uh, give leverage um, through the course of the year. Um, now, as I said, Q1 uh, always has elevated uh, spend of marketing as you think about, um, you know, date Sunday and Valentine's Day. So we do tend to, to spend higher in Q1. It, it was very similar to what we did last year as well, our Q1 margin was our lowest uh, quarter um, in the entire year, and then our EBITDA margin picks up quite significantly as the year goes by. Um, So I wouldn't, um, you know, read too much into the Q1 EBITDA guide. Um, You know, again, a lot of the spend that we have this year is very much in our control, so we feel very, very confident about it. Um, You know, the next big area of spend for us is, again, headcount. as we've said again previously, um, we are leading into areas of the business that are very critical to our growth. So, you heard Whitney talk a lot about uh, AI and machine learning and data engineering. So, those are definitely areas that we want to continue to invest in as far as uh, people and headcount resources are concerned. But um, we have a high bar for spend in other areas. So, um, that's why, again, you know, I feel very good about the, the target that we've set forth and um, – now
0: you'll see us continue to sort of reiterate that uh, message as we go through the year. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you, Tari. Thank you, Anu. Thanks. The next question comes from Corey Carpenter with JP Morgan. Please go ahead. Okay. Thanks for the questions. I wanted to come back to the Best Bees offering that you teased a little earlier. Um, could you expand on that a bit? Um, is that something that would be in perhaps like a new premium subscription package it sounded like? or more of an a la carte offering. Um, And then secondly, just on macro, uh, you previously talked about a step down in late September, early October. Um, You know, how has that trended since then in terms of impact on renewal rates and uh, consumables? Thank you.
2: Hey, Corey. It's Whitney. Um, So, we're really excited about SBs. This is a paid offering. Um, and I'll just give you a little background on how the feature works, and then we can talk about how we're testing it from a monetization standpoint. So this is really a very exciting opportunity for all of our members to get access to a highly curated and really compatible set of people. So this is why we're calling it Best Bees. And so this is really going to be tailored to that specific user, and we think it's going to be really resonant across the board, geographies, genders, age groups, et cetera, and with The machine learning there's this huge opportunity to provide uh you know more content-based nudges. and so anyway all to say we're very excited about this how this will work um it is going to be a premium offering we are going to be testing both you know uh different different versions of that consumable subscription and we will provide more updates with um, the rollout of that oh the next question on macro um so I think it's very important to note that we're feeling very very confident about the dating industry and about uh, our results. The top of the funnel and engagement metrics continue to be strong. So, overall, we uh, are growing our paying users at a healthy clip. New subscriptions remain strong. We're seeing good growth in consumable purchases. Where we did see some macro-related impact last summer – was really around the subscription renewal rates for the more price sensitive user groups. This was really Gen Z. The renewal rates have been stabilized at that lower level, and we've not seen further deterioration since last earnings. And we believe the strength of the business reflects the resonance of the brand, the resiliency of uh, you know the majority of our Bumble uh, user base, and a lot of our recent product pricing and marketing efforts.
0: Great, thank you. The next question comes from Alexandra Steiger with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Thank you so much
1: for taking my questions. So, Whitney, you discussed virtual gifts as, as part of, like, the
3: college bundle. How do you think about the monetization potential of virtual gifts as a standalone product? And then also, thanks for providing an update on, on BFF. Um, how should we think about potential monetization avenues and the timing of that? Thank you.
2: Thank you. So I'll take DFF, and then um, Tart's going to jump in. So I just want to reiterate that DFF remains a important priority for us in 2023. And the the market opportunity with platonic friendships, we feel is going to be equally as important as finding love. So I just want to reiterate this post-pandemic loneliness has become even a bigger concern. So I want to just reiterate that this is a high priority for us. As far as monetization grows uh, or goes, we are not factoring this into our guide for 2023, but we are really excited to be um, testing some product initiatives around uh, monetization as far as models go later in the year. So we'll update you as, as the time comes. And, Tariq, you can jump in.
4: Yeah. Um, on, on virtual gifts, we, are, uh, we, we just launched virtual gifts um, to – that college population that Whitney talked about, and we're seeing a very nice uh, reception from that from that group. Um, you know, high conversion rates when we are presenting the opportunity. So we do think that we're onto something here with um, with virtual gifts. We are, in in fact, also seeing a much higher reciprocation rate. Meaning, if you send a virtual gift, you're much more likely to get a response, and so it's adding to the overall health of the ecosystem and the and the um, value that we're creating for our users inside of the app. So, so we do think that there is something here. We're excited about what we're doing on the college side. And I think our, our basic um, premise on virtual goods is that we know that there is a very strong Gen Z opportunity here. We're really looking at how we can put together a, um, a, a bundle, a package of offerings for Gen Z that really leans into this notion of express yourself uh, and self-expression. And so, a virtual gift helps you stand out in a different way than you would otherwise. There are other things that we can do to to let people express themselves authentically. So you should expect to see us roll this into other kind of packages
0: and bundles targeting Gen Z in
4: particular.
3: Very helpful. Thank you.
0: Your next question comes from David Melinowski with Bank of America. Please go ahead. Hey, uh, it's David on for Nat Schindler. Thanks for taking the question. Um, is it just possible to dive a little bit more into the dues improvement in the back half of the year
4: and maybe
0: just look at what a steady state might look like for, you know, the first half of 23 or, or beyond that? Thank you.
2: Um, yeah, so the Do. I think it's important to reinforce, and hi, thank you for the question. The remains a leader in its key market. So, It is a top three app by downloads in dozens of countries across Latin America, Central and Eastern Europe, and Asia. And it does have this long, tenured, and loyal global base. So we are continuing to operate from a user standpoint with a lot of strength. On the revenue side, we made solid progress in stabilizing Badu in the second half of 22. However, we do acknowledge that there's more work to be done to resume Badu's growth trajectory. And we know that the Badu customer continues to be sensitive to inflation and macroeconomic pressures. This really results in overall lower propensity to pay. So, our goal is to meet our Badu customer where they are. So, in 2023, We're going to tap our enhanced monetization platform to offer promotional bundles and new consumables to better serve these customers with their price point. Yeah,
3: and just to add, you know, I think from uh, uh, what we are building into our outlook for the year, we do expect that the food ads will continue to be negative in 2023. Um, We definitely think that, um, you know, X impact from Russia, Belarus, et cetera, the the impact the net, you know, negative that we saw in 2022 um, will, um, and, and versus what we will see in 2023, will be better. So 2023 should definitely get better. But overall, you know, we still think uh, it'll it'll have negative net ads. Um, Q1 is probably going to be um, the most negative. So right now, we are projecting about negative 50,000 um, for do in terms of paying users between Q4. 22 and, and Q1-23, but as the year goes by, we should definitely start to see uh, that recover, um, and we are, you know, doing a lot of work from a product perspective, as Whitney said, from a pricing and promotional perspective, uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, the, the path that we have put to do on continues to um, uh, deliver well.
0: All right, thank you. The next question comes from John Blackledge with Cowan. Please go
1: ahead. Uh, Great, thanks. So two questions.
3: First on the international expansion, just if you can provide some more color on how those
2: efforts are going and perhaps give us an update on key country launches in the first quarter and in
3: 2023. And then second
2: question, on the new recommendation engine that you're using in certain European markets, do you expect to roll it out in the
1: U.S. and, and other key markets and Kind of any way to offer some color on the uptick
4: in matches uh, with the with the direct
1: engine.
3: Thank you.
4: Sure. Hey, John. Um, I'll I'll take both of those. Um, on the international expansion, you know, our focus uh, is, is really two pronged. Uh, part one is continue to expand into new markets where we see opportunity. Part two is where we have already expanded to go deep and de- deeper and deeper into those markets. The job is not done when we launch in a, in a country. And on both fronts, we feel very pleased that the playbook that we've got is working, working really well. So if I take to go deeper piece, um, as, as an example, we're still seeing rapid growth in Germany, in the in the Dach region, the German speaking regions in France, in other parts of Western Europe that we have launched in, And we're expanding both to more segments in our core cities and to new cities. That's also true in India, where we're seeing very, very rapid growth as well. And a lot of that is, if you will, geo-expansion inside of India, as well as continuing to go deeper in the key cities like Mumbai that we're already in. So that playbook, we think, is working well and is allowing us to continue to gain market share. Um, and to refresh everyone's memory, you know, the historical focus has been on Western Europe South and Southeast Asia, Indonesia, Philippines, uh, Singapore, and parts of Latin America, particularly um, Mexico and the southern parts of Latin America. Um, as it comes to new market launches, we're really focusing this, um, at least the first half of this year, on um, on the other markets in Western and Central Europe that we um, believe have a strong opportunity. So, uh, and I think Whitney mentioned Poland, Italy, um, Portugal, the Nordics as. Key markets will be focused on, but again, it really is in combination with these Doji efforts that we've got as well. Um, <clears throat> moving on to the recommendations engine, we are absolutely um, expecting this to be a global rollout. We, As you'll <clears throat> excuse me, r- recall, we obsessively test our products to make sure that they work. We, fu- we do that with different segments or in different geographies. So for this machine learning-based recommendation engine, we started it in certain markets in Western Europe. We're seeing great results, which I'll speak about, and so now we are actively training the model in other geographies so that we can bring it globally as we use it for the Best Bees offering. As an example that Whitney mentioned, we would expect over time that to be a global offering, not just a Western European offering. Um, And the the results that we're seeing, as as you mentioned, are really quite substantial. We are seeing um, double-digit increases in match rates when – when you're presented with this sort of super compatible um, recommendation versus our already very good recommendation engine that we've got the the non-machine learning centric model. So we think that we're really um, adding a lot of incremental value on top of an already strong product. um, And that's what we think will allow us to monetize this further.
0: Thank you. Your next question comes from Mark Kelly with CFL. Please go ahead. Great. Thank you very much. Um, I want to ask you just about the marketing spend. Uh, I know know, Q1 is usually, that steps up for you. Um, With one of your, you know, main competitors, you know, commencing a a fairly large brand campaign for uh, for one of their products, does that factor into how much you think you need to spend or or maybe that Maybe that doesn't. Um, and I would imagine you would argue that <laughs> maybe that one product I'm talking about is not uh, a perfect comp to yours, but any thoughts would be great. And the second, just on the college-focused product, is there a way to think about how many of those uh, college users that you called out were incremental as a result of, uh, of that launch? Thank you.
4: Sure, Mark. Um, so on the marketing spend piece, we've always taken – and number one, a very organic approach to our marketing. You know, the marketing on Bumble app in particular is very focused on the strength of the brand and the mission and all of the work that, that we've done since day one of founding the company, and a large amount of our acquisitions come in because of that organic. So that remains core to how we think about marketing. Um, on the On the sort of more discretionary pieces, the media-driven, the performance-driven pieces on top of that, We've operated and will continue to operate a very disciplined approach here. We're very ROI-centric. You'll recall that we've got payback periods on our marketing spend that are very, very short, which allows us to um, really manage this at a pretty fine-tuned level. So, you know, with with one or more competitors out there spending a lot, we're having to be more nimble and find opportunities to really go out and and make sure we're not overpaying for certain types of inventory, but. Uh historically, when people have spent up, we haven't um, had uh, a big concern about that, and we're not, we are not. seeing a spend up in a number of regions, and we're not um, seeing a big concern. As you can see, our downloads continue to, to grow. So we feel very good that this disciplined approach and the heightened efficiency we build into marketing is working. Um, on the college side, you know, a lot of the emphasis is on being able to see to college students in a much more targeted way. So it's not really a user acquisition program at its core. What it is, is um, building the ability to offer a product experience that is different and and customized, and that is, um, and a marketing program that is customized as well. And so um, with the verification program, we're having that ability to offer, say, college bundles, virtual gifts on a very targeted basis it is we're finding leading to word of mouth, like people like the experience, and so that that will lead over time, we think, to us strengthening the depth that we've got with college students. Um, Would you like to add anything?
2: I just want to add that, you know, we have such loyalty with the college audience. Our Honey program has been a standout in our marketing for years, and it continues to grow. And so our relevance and our authentic residence with college students is – something that we feel really cannot be replicated at this point. For example, I myself, um, on behalf of Bumble, I'm starting a college tour um, this Monday where I'll be speaking directly with a lot of students. And so I feel like we have this really unique and authentic approach with Gen Z. Perfect. Thank
0: you. Your next question comes from Ben Black. Please go ahead. Great. Good evening. Thanks for the question. Just sort of a follow-up to the last question. So, your competitors are rebranding to better connect with Gen Z. So, I'm curious hear what's really driving your success across these users? Is it marketing? Is it is, it, is it product related And and how do you feel positioned competitively there? And then, and then secondly, I think you're included in Google's user-choice billing program. Curious how that potentially impacts you from a financial perspective, if at all, Um, And, um, you know, how that could potentially help from a product launch or product flexibility standpoint. Thank you.
2: Hi, uh, this is Whitney. Thank you for your question. I'll start with Gen Z, and I'm going to weave women into that a bit as well. So, as I said on on my prior um, response, since the inception of Bumble, college has been such a huge pillar of our strategy. And we have been able to consistently stay hyper relevant with that community and to really reinvent ourselves year over year, or quarter after quarter. Um, and we have this unique ability to connect with the freshmen as much as we do with the seniors. We also have this strong resonance to graduate with them, right? We've built, um, we've built master programs even beyond college with alumni. And so we've also really now taken a super granular lens on building products designed to engage that audience better. So we are um, performing really well with this audience even prior to these optimizations. So we're feeling really good about um, the potential as we really iterate the product to be even more resonant with them. Um, The one thing I I do want to double-click on here too is Gen Z cares deeply about Um, brands that are authentic and take a stance and are really mission-oriented. So this is something that is working very strongly in our favor. We have been a very mission-led, very customer-first brand for eight years, and this is really resonant. So um, one other quick note on the Gen Z topic. Um, Women, Gen Z, millennial or otherwise, this is our brand mode. We have the brand strength and the identity that we do, um, because we have built for women from day one. And we are taking that lens, uh, with Gen Z as well. So this is, this is, um, you know, not an opportunity for a competitor to just market or speak to women. That is, um that is something that cannot be replicated with a marketing strategy. That's something that has to be authentically core to the DNA of a brand. And so I will tell you personally, this is something I feel we have a strong um we have a strong vote. And I'm I'm really uh really proud of our team for being able to sustain that. Uh Tark, would you like our opinion? On use a
4: choice Yeah, billing. on use
3: a choice yeah. billing, um, you know we don't expect um that to have any impact on margins, as you know, um, uh, we will still end up paying in aggregate the 15% that we pay today to Google Play. The composition of that is just going to be different. So from a margin perspective, we don't uh, expect that that will have any impact at all. Uh, we are still very much in testing phase of what, you know, user choice billing looks like. And so, um, you know, if we have any particular updates to share on that, we will um, in the subsequent
0: quarters. Great. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from Deepak Metivana with Wolf Research. Please go ahead.
1: Thanks. Uh, this is Zach on from Deepak.
0: Um, I guess just
1: first um, on uh, just price increase potential, you know, obviously we we're kind of in an elevated inflation environment. Uh, we've seen several consumer subscription services uh, kind of utilize the price increase lever uh, over the past several months. I'm um, so just curious how you're kind of thinking about pricing increases uh, philosophically on the commercial side and um, if that's a lever that you guys are, are kind of looking at um, to, to kind of pull this year. Uh, and then second, just, um, you know, you've outlined, uh, you know, robust product pipeline. Expansion. Um, how should we think about kind of the headcount
4: growth needs this year? Uh, sure, I'll I'll start with um with the pricing question. You, price, where, as as we think about it, price optimization, um, and pricing analytics and price testing are all core to the DNA of of Bumble. Is this something that we do on Bumble to do and on on Fruits on a uh, literally daily basis. Um and really are constantly trying to understand what is the elasticity a particular user might have and then adjust prices up or down as it maximizes revenue to a news earlier um, point. Right. And so, so where we do see opportunities to um, increase and generate more revenue, by doing that we will take advantage of that. Same on the flip side, right, where it's advantageous to decrease. I would say at the moment we're not seeing a material change in appetite to pay or willingness to pay um, because of inflation. There's a there's I think two sides to that coin. That other prices are going up, so you might have some more forgiveness, if you will, if you raise. But wallets are getting stretched. So it's a very segment by segment um, analysis that we go through. But we're it's a very active um, muscle that, that we exercise.
3: Yeah, and I think your second question was around headcount and how we think about where. Um We expect to uh, invest this year, so like I said earlier, um we do want to lean heavily into um, making sure that our products and product teams um have you know the the best uh talent um that we need to continue to be an innovator in this space so um all the stuff that you heard earlier around um you know uh, what's on our product roadmap monetization. Uh, especially as it relates to newer things that we have around AI, machine learning, et cetera, et cetera, you know, that those are areas of headcount we want to invest in. Uh, we have a very sophisticated um, uh, team already in place um, for things like pricing, uh, uh, revenue monetization, et cetera, et cetera, that we will be leveraging quite extensively. And again, uh, remember, we uh, operate from a shared platform infrastructure, so uh, once we create um, a certain um, product initiative for Bumble, we are able to replicate it quite easily for you and also take that learning, you know, in uh, this year to fruits as well. So that's definitely a lot of synergy as you think about uh, knowledge sharing that happens between the product and tech teams uh, for each of these apps. Um, from a marketing uh, perspective, you know, we've never been – uh, one of those things that requires you know brand new teams to show up in every market that we uh go to expand in. you know we are very, very nimble about how we think about growing in every market you know we we often talk a lot about you know on the ground field marketing, but that involves us hiring the you know the local influencer on the ground that doesn't require us to go and hire you know headcount and big teams on the ground so again you know you'll you'll see us continue to be very efficient. Uh, from a geographic expansion and marketing spend perspective, and lastly, I will say you know on from a corporate infrastructure perspective, I think we had largely you know this is this is we've just completed two years of being public um we are largely built out. we have a couple of pockets here and there that we still have to sort of really build up, but really, I think investment in in g and a is um is largely done, and again you know you should expect to see leverage as the next you know uh
0: As this year goes by, and obviously in the future as well. Great, thank you. The next question comes from Steve Koenig with SMBC. Please go ahead.
4: Hey, thank you. Uh, That's pretty close, yeah. Steve Koenig. Hey, Bumble, thanks for taking my question. Um, You know, this one's probably for, for you, Whitney. I'm curious how you think about maybe dating app fatigue. You know, in your more mature markets, and how do you how do you position Bumble as a positive contributor to mental health, enjoyable and fruitful? Um, maybe just your kind of philosophy around that. That'd be that'd be interesting.
0: Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. And hi. Um, so I, I just want to start by saying that we are extremely cognizant of. The, the needs around dating and the needs around making it healthier, safer, kinder. I mean, this is our entire focus. Our tagline as a company is kind connections. So I, I do want to just reemphasize that people are meeting online. That graph is only going up. People will continue to meet online. This is a resilient industry. I have been In this industry for 10 years, and I can tell you that the demand um, remains stronger than I've ever seen. That said, I am personally taking it on my shoulders to figure out how to make it an even more enjoyable, even safer, more accountable experience. How do we really deliver what women want? And by delivering what women want, we make it a more enjoyable experience for everyone. But I will tell you that there is no disintegration of Uh, the want or need to meet people, and actually meeting online is a quicker, more time-efficient, but also more economically efficient option for so many people. For people to get dressed up every night and go out to restaurants and bars where it's expensive and it's, it's stressful, I mean, that is just not the reality, and so there is still such a huge opportunity here to take this strong demand for love and connections, which that is that is incredibly durable in and of itself, but to really continuously optimize our, our already very unique product and just drive exceptional value with, you know, strong engagement growth and, as you see, record-paying user additions, I think we offer a very compelling, cost-effective, and really efficient alternatives to the 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 big spooky world is dating in the real world. So we are committed to this, and we feel um, that with our share gain, and particularly women in Gen Z, we are poised to have a a
0: great year ahead. That's great. Thank you so much, Whitney. There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Uh,
1: Operator, you can just conclude the call. Thank you.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines.